Hello everyone and welcome to a special bullet points extra. Um, this month we are discussing Paratopic, which is a sort of experimental indie horror game by uh, I believe three designers. Uh, but before we get into it, we should introduce your bullet points team. I am Astrid Budgore, hosting for the first time ever. Astrid Budgore's bullet points, uh, Clive Barker's Astrid Budgore's bullet points, <laughs> and joining me today, Reed. Uh, that's right. Thank you for <laughs> letting me feature on your debut single. <laughs> I hope my verse is okay. Thank you. And who else is there? Um, yeah, Ed Smith. Uh, <laughs> Wow. It's, it's really it's really great to be on the rousing show. intro yeah uh relieved to not be hosting yeah I, was, I thought i was gonna have a bit of an uphill battle here because i've never done it before but uh, no i i, I took the take, throne easily take it away seriously if you want to do it every episode <laughs> that's fine by me <laughs> we have to see what the patrons think of my performance yeah every, <laughs> if the, if the yeah, let's just, bottom drops out after there's this a bullet points app and you can give me a thumbs up or a thumbs down <laughs> as you listen. That's right. And if you show, there'll be a QR code for uh, uh, Walmart. Get <laughs> 20, 20% off. Yeah, you can get 20% uh, uh, off a pack of Mountain Dew. And on the pack of Mountain Dew, there's a code for a special weapon in Far Cry 5. <laughs> That's right. We have partnered up. Uh, I don't know why we're announcing this in such like a low-key kind of offhand manner when, you know, I, because personally I was pretty excited when both Walmart and Ubisoft came knocking to say that they wanted to set up a sponsorship deal. Jew, soft, points. The, <laughs> the trifecta. <laughs> yeah, my, my life has changed for the better. Yeah. We still have to pay our respects to the little people, though. You know, independent video games are still important to us. So this, I guess it's month, right? Because we do a bullet points extra every month, hopefully. So well, roughly. Yeah. In theory. Yeah. Yeah. We love to stay on schedule. Uh, Paratopic is a short, about 40, 50-minute game by Paratopic Team who consist of Jessica Harvey, Doc Burford, and I believe Bo Chaotica is the sound designer's pseudonym. Uh, Jess Harvey, you maybe recognize from her other game, Tangiers, which has been in development for a long time. I think it went through a few off and on phases, but it's definitely on. She's posting stuff to Twitter and it looks really cool. And then mm -hmm. Doc Burford is a well, he wrote the script for this game, but he's also a freelance games uh, critic, journalist, whatever we call ourselves. Um, so I wanted to get... I believe Ed finished this game about an hour ago. So yeah. what were your... Just your fresh thoughts, Ed? Because we haven't discussed this at all. I feel like I, I want to preface my fresh thoughts by saying that I I really love the films of Louis Bunuel. I really like the films of 
uh, Ajit Hapong, Where's the Thackle, I've seen all of Inland Empire and liked every minute of it. I like games such <coughs> as Glitch Hikers and Off Peak and Norwood Suite and uh, 30 Flights of Loving that this plays on a lot. And the reason I want to say that is that as the co-host of a shooting games podcast, I feel <laughs> like if I if I give my gut opinion on this game without explaining that I enjoy other things that are like it, it's going to sound right. like I'm just being kind of petulant and I, I, I need my guns. Uh, I, yeah. I, I found it kind of dull. Okay. I found it kind of dull and less eventful, I think, than I was hoping for. Uh, yeah. at the start I'll get into this later I'm hoping but there, there are a few moments towards the beginning of the game that gave me a lot of, like really made me sort of sit up straight and feel like well I'm in for an experience here and that that feeling like just gradually lessened and lessened and lessened and um, yeah I, I found the game a little staid and roped and slow that's fair. Do you think uh, that slowness is detrimental in context of something that is sort of like deliberately making you uh, wait or like sit through these sequences that are sort of very uneventful? Like, is it beyond like what would be effective in that context? That's interesting. I like this game's occasional interest or, or concentration on small things, taking a photograph, browsing, well browsing, but you know, being inside a shop, driving. Yeah. Uh so I, I'm I'm generally interested, I think, with how I, I small pleasures mean a lot to me personally. And yeah. I'm generally interested with how games kind of manage these like pedestrian pleasures and small pleasures. Um I think the games Unknown pleasures. Yeah, unknown <laughs> pleasures. Great great <laughs> album. Uh <laughs> I, you know, I think games have really managed firing a gun and, and dropping a bomb, but not sipping a cup of coffee and talking to a friend. And yeah. one of the things that I so like about something like the Norwood Suite or Glitch Hikers is that it does uh, imbue you with a sense of small pleasures, driving at night, having a conversation with someone, sleeping in a nice hotel. And there were sections of this where I can see what you're driving at, right? No pun intended. That uh, the slowness was meant to be kind of sort of quixotic and hypnotic and enveloping and to, to yeah. create like a fuller sense, I think, of time. and Well, not time necessarily, but of place and situation and yeah. of, um, you know, create a sort of sensory experience. And I, I can appreciate the attempt and I... There were again, there were sections where it, it was really effective with that, and the sort of drawn outedness um, was fundamental. But yeah. particularly the bits I think set in the woods felt to me mm -hmm. like too long. I think that's yeah, that's what I was gonna say actually. Is I think there's the uh, the pace of the game is sort of like modulated with these sequences like uh, driving a car at night and being able to like uh, go left to right on the road a little bit but it's not like you can do anything really except go straight ahead and 
the sequence in the woods where you sort of walk around taking pictures of birds. And I think the woods sequence, the first time you go in uh, and there's that cabin with the locked door, I think it's very easy to get lost in that bit if you, <clears throat> if I think if you misapprehend what you're supposed to be doing there. Yeah, and, which and, I did. Yeah, and that's sort of like uh, frustration is maybe... I don't think it's inevitable, but the way that that area sort of is shaped and uh, what you find there sort of leads you to conclude that you're supposed to be doing one thing. When I think uh, if you go straight to where you're supposed to go, it's a pretty short sequence. But if you get lost, it's maybe frustrating and can uh, stimmy your progress. Because otherwise the game, I guess we should maybe summarize, but I did want to get Reed's gut reaction first. Um. Yeah, I kind of sympathize with with what Ed's saying. It didn't bother me quite as much, but I, I was going to say specifically the the wood sequence, which when it started uh, was really sort of striking, and I really loved a lot. I think the music in this game is is really good, um, and, and that sequence it was incredibly eerie. Uh, even though the landscape is really pretty, just when you're walking along taking pictures of these birds and you know the idea that you're photographing these crows and they're flying off um, yeah. there's just something that's that's i don't know there, there's a lot of stuff in this game that which is why i don't want to sort of reiterate what ed said because i think largely i do really <clears throat> really like what this game does and i think there are things about it that are sort of i think i think there's a there's a uh, confidence to it uh, that sounds like a too easy of a term to it there, there's like a real level of craft to it um and sort of a a kind of understated like not mastery but but excellence in in knowing how to establish mood and place like very quickly like yeah. almost embarrassingly quickly sometimes like how you can have you know 15 seconds of a new sequence and and then it switches at the beginning. I think there's a lot of really great stuff like this. And toward the end too, yeah. where it does have that kind of like, uh, Brendan Chung, like quick, uh, I guess Virginia tried to do that too and yeah. failed and for different, for different <laughs> reasons though. That's like a whole other can of worms. Yeah. Um, but I think the way this game does it, it's like you barely need time. You're just in it. And I think it's, it's something about just the, the music and and the art and the words when you do get them are just just the right level of inscrutable but you but it's not like just nonsense it's not gibberish you you understand that there is something to unpack there yeah um but like i don't know i'm kind of like getting off track but so there's a lot of stuff i do like i do think that part in the forest i felt and maybe the second or the first time when i was driving toward the end of it i was thinking am i not doing something that it wants me to do <laughs> the, the, because it does go on for a really long time and then i liked it on the other ones because then i knew okay just enjoy it you know just yeah. uh well the first time go... the first time you drive is when the tapes disappear from the passenger seat right yeah so i felt like maybe i'd done something yeah to I make that happen and then yeah. i wasn't doing something else and maybe this was just <laughs> going to go on forever and... that part i thought was really cool because it's not clear like when that happens like you're sort of just maybe looking around or not looking around yeah and suddenly you look over and they're not there 
and I like that. And then it continues, so you're still just driving, and it's like (laughs) you're sort of waiting for the the pin to drop there. And I and I think that's sort of one of the problems is if you if you want to talk about, I guess because Ed is you know mentioning like Inland Empire or something, Mm -hmm. if you're watching you know a Lynch movie and it's a sequence that's going on for 15 minutes, that's difficult to understand what's happening and you but you you just say okay well i'm resigning myself to or the same with music or you know you're just saying well i'm just going to experience this and it'll it's doing what it's doing for a purpose and hopefully the crater is good enough that you know it's going to take you somewhere yes but with a game you have the x factor of being like am i supposed to be doing something that i'm yeah misunderstanding and Anyway, I, d- yeah. I don't want to linger too long on that because I think yeah there are a lot of can, other things yeah, to we talk can about. Return to that, but I did want to, I guess, offer a, a brief summary. I mean, it's a brief game. When we talk about like a certain sequence being too long, it, it is like a fifty-minute game at most, probably. But mm-hmm. it, it is pretty dense, I think, especially at the start, um, before you're really sure what's going on. So you begin the game as well, one person, there's three perspectives and they are all introduced fairly quickly at the start. There's one person who is attempting to deliver a briefcase full of VHS tapes uh, across the border is what your handler guy tells you. Um, there's another person who appears to be like an assassin. She has a revolver. And then there's a third person who is the person who explores the woods and they take pictures of birds and stuff and these three perspectives um it's difficult to say whether they're happening like concurrently like when each vignette is supposed to take place because unlike a game like 30 flights of loving or even virginia we're not just uh cutting forward or backward in time from one perspective it's cross-cutting so you're cutting both time and space um between different people so it can be slightly disorienting and I think they make really good use of that disorientation there's like in the first five minutes you are sitting at a diner booth as the assassin and like sort of loading your pistol and you're facing one end of the restaurant and then it cuts and suddenly your perspective is the opposite side of the diner booth but you're talking to some guy and so he's sitting where the previous person would have been sitting but he is talking to you and it's sort of an unnerving effect because you're not sure if that was like who you're playing as or if this is a new because it's the same diner it's a really weird effect um Mm -hmm. it's one of those things that i think read that confidence is a good word for some of the moves that they pull off in this game because uh they are very these cuts come like really fast and uh they risk i think confusing you they take that risk and I, I sort of was impressed by that. Yeah, no, I, I was as well. I, it took me a bit of time to get situated a little bit. I think I probably wasn't like fully kind of understanding the relationship in, in time between these different yeah. events until, you know, at the end you get something that makes it clear that one character is coming upon the... Yeah. I don't know, we're talking about everything. It's one character who comes upon the corpse of another. Yeah, so it's like a... 
that definitively places a certain scene earlier than that scene. But um, I do think uh, we should talk maybe about how this game looks, because that's probably the most immediately striking aspect of it. It's sort of a... I don't know the technical term for... I don't think it's... It's not low-poly, but it is sort of like a PS1-style texture work that's like a sort of smeary and jittery. Everything always seems to be swimming a little bit. Um, Mm -hmm. The faces are sort of stretched across this... uh, this head mesh that has like a seam right in the middle oh, so everyone God, sort of yeah. looks like a rhinoceros and uh the face textures have a tendency to like move across that uh facial which they mesh. really they lean into that a lot yeah at that, the... the beginning there's this <laughs> the guy who's talking to you, his face is like constantly like uh degrading like it goes down to like pixelation and it comes back up to sort of the more detailed texture and they keep getting closer to him with the camera until it's eventually just, like, mounted on his face as he, like, turns his head. Uh, and it's really sort of eerie. <laughs> yeah, that's, uh... I I, I liked... <clears throat> I mean, I... It feels, like, kind of shallow or something, but that's part of the reason I was really interested in checking this thing out. Uh, partially because... I've been interested in Tangiers as well, so I yeah. kind of wanted to see uh, something that Jess Harvey worked on. Yeah. Um, but that look, I, I think that's a fantastic look, and I don't know. I, I've kind of ridden for that. Like, oh, sorry, Ed. No, sorry. Finish your point. No, go ahead. No, I was just gonna say I, I've liked that sort of murky uh, PS1 era kind of look for quite a while and i think it's like probably coming into vogue but i think it's interesting in this game that they don't just go full-on here's this kind of low-res thing it's some things are quite clear like yeah. those faces well they're clear but they're not uh anyway sorry Ed. i i'm really intrigued by by the multiple perspectives by this idea of kind of shifting faces and also by the way that the game uses cuts um, a, a small kind of confession is that I like very regularly, almost every time I go to sleep I have a terrible nightmares I've, I've had nightmares for, for years and years and years and playing this game I was kind of tempted to, you know, consider you know, like not for the first time the logic of nightmares, you know, what, what creates a nightmare, what defines a nightmare and there's a few things I think that are consistent uh, first is that idea that in dreams and in nightmares, um, that the same person can look different. You can you can sort of meet somebody in a dream or in a nightmare who is you know quotations your father or or is like the 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 same sort of threatening and 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 malevolent figure that you often meet in your nightmares, but they look different in every single one. Um, so that's that's one of the things that kind of recurs in my own nightmares. The other is uh, the structure of a nightmare is that it can it can you know very rapidly switch from one scenario to another. Uh, you can be here and then you're there and then you're there. You know, I tend to have personally about six or seven quite vivid nightmares a night, and they will yeah switch very sort of unannouncedly. Mm-hmm. So. 
this idea that Paratopic is a world where uh, you know you're you're three different people and you're meeting people who whose faces sort of shift and, and and malleable and whose identity is is um, not necessarily defined by their physical appearance. That to me is is nightmarish. And the idea, the way that this game uses cuts to you know tr- sort of inexplicably transport you from one place to another and move you through, like you said, Astrid, space and time is also nightmarish. And whereas 30 Flights of Loving, which I think this game openly acknowledged in its press materials and things, uh, whereas 30 Flights of Loving, and I think also Virginia, try to use cuts to sort of glean and sort of scrape up uh, an essence of like cinematic coherence and quality and to sort of cut out some of the chaff, some of the, the padding that is common in video games. I think the cuts in Paratopic are committed to that, that nightmarish essence. They are to create um, a, a sort of enjambment and a, and a sort of uh, lack of coordination and a confusion. Yeah. And that is why I found the sort of woodland sequence um, and, and some of the driving ones the, the weakest parts of the game because they just went on too long and they became sort yeah. of familiar and safe and sort of tedious. Uh, yeah. Nightmares are not tedious. You know, like, uh, d- dreamscapes are not tedious. They're, they're extremely vivid and, and, and sort of challenging and um, phantasmagoric and colourful. And I, I think that Paratopic kind of lost me when it, it became... Um, uh, like placid in a way that I, I, I think is contrary to the rest of the game's aesthetic the yeah. the other thing is that the, the game contains a lot of I think really striking singular images uh, my favourite of which is, is fairly near the start of the game when your uh, neighbour asks if she can have one of your tapes, these, these tapes seem to possess mm. some kind of like <laughs> You know, narcotizing or, or cataleptizing quality that's that's not properly defined. They they seem like they're food, or they're addictive, yeah. or they're somehow desired or even maybe needed by people. Uh, but they're also like illicit and uh, like precious. And she asks if she can have one of your tapes, almost as if she's asking if she can like borrow, you know, food from you. And you go and you sort of peek in through her apartment door and she's like right up against the television masturbating and then the flesh around her head explodes into this kind of floral like wait what aster ac i did shape. not see this did you not see this me neither and now i feel like i've missed this is, this, is, this is the strongest part of the game for me me neither she's watching the tape and yeah you, you just look in through the crack in the door and she's she's has her hand between her legs, and then the, her it, it sort of snap zooms onto her face, almost like the guy in the diner, and the flesh around her head, yeah, it, it bursts open into this kind of asteraceae, like daisy floral shape, and then she sort of slumps forward, not like she's dead, but like she's asleep, and the tape clicks off, and there's this sort of visual implication that watching this tape has you know brought her to this this higher place, it's, like, it's not just orgasmic it's kind of like natural and, and bounteous 
And I, I really loved that because it, I, you know, there's just so much you could talk about there in terms of. That's really cool. Pro yeah. or anti-escapism. Yeah, I feel tame and. and yeah. I feel awful that I. Yeah, that was that like was that's, the, that's really big. That was the game's real moment for me. I mean, I, I'm, I'm shocked that that was an option because that's that to me is it the, the whole thing kind of hangs on that because it, the the sort of illicitude of uh like pleasure almost is you know what this yeah. game is kind of about well i thought i thought i got a little bit of that with um cuz i i think maybe one of the most probably the most striking sequence for me is the, the part toward the end where you're you know keep going into the the room in the back of the diner over and over and putting the tape in and it's showing the perspective of the assassin character i guess uh just shooting the person in the back over and over uh every time the tape goes in so it's yeah. you know i, I kind of saw that as an implication that the there was something about this tape for at least for that character that was you know the power to of, of shooting someone of murdering someone yeah was something that you could you know relive and and that was something uh like that had to do with why the tapes were so appealing you know mm. and so when you talk about the other one with the the neighbor I like that's another side of kind of what I was thinking already anyway but maybe even a more dramatic kind of version I of it. I, I really yeah, recommend that you cuz it's it's in the first like 10 minutes start the game over just mm-hmm. to see that moment um, the, the last point I wanted to make is I, I, I realised that I've talked for a fairly large amount of time the last point I'd like to make about the, the visuals uh, is uh, you know Astrid like you were saying during that conversation in the diner where the camera ends up kind of mounted on your opposite numbers head and sort of moves with his look uh, it, does, it does something similar in the scene I've just described which unfortunately neither of you have, have watched where yeah it you're looking at her through the door, and then when when her head does this this terrifically violent thing, it like crash zooms into it, and then and oh. then snap zooms back out. And I I really encourage game makers to to not be afraid to do that, to actually sort of work the camera, because that yeah. that sort of plain objective standard video game perspective of you're always looking at somebody as if you know you've got their their face shoulders and like just below their belt line and they're talking to you or you know the the third person camera where you can see their whole body but you can't really see their facial expressions this is so it's so limiting and i i Mm -hmm. I really like how this game actually wants you to kind of pay attention to to faces or just pay attention Mm -hmm. to like our movement on somebody's body you know, yeah. Uh, if you imagine the sort of typical film scene, it's like two people again, maybe talking in a diner, and she reaches out and puts her hand on his, and you get you know the the, the close of the one shot of that, and you don't get that in games, or you just get it from this like distant sort of cold neutral player advantageous yeah. perspective. So I, I did like Paratopics, basically uh, willingness to to have a camera. You know, not just not just having a device through which you experience the game, but to actually acknowledge a ca- you could, you could yeah. go into this, couldn't you? Because there's parts of the game where you actually physically use a camera and whatever. Right. But that's 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 
yeah that was one of the things that struck me immediately obviously was the way that it's not just switching who you're like uh technically controlling but also like who you're looking at and uh where you're seeing them from is sort of being forcibly moved around um Mm -hmm. and it creates like a really cool emphasis there's the i think this happens twice when you go to the gas station and you're talking to this guy who's just like rambling on and on about like the most mundane but like sort of off kilter stuff like sort of like a surrealist version of just like a rural glass clerk gas clerk he's like talking about like uh was it the milk yeah, that's the first one that came to mind yeah, too milk factor milk something and then you get some milk, it's like milk accessory thing. yeah yeah, yeah. There's a lot of like weird things he talked. There's like a haunted carnival, which I'm not sure if he was referencing like Carnival of Souls or something. But he's anyway, he's talking to you and then he's like, Are you two almost done filling up or whatever? And yeah. he, there's no indication in that scene that there's someone else <laughs> with you. So you can sort of look out the window and it's sort of difficult to see what you're looking at. But it's just like a really unnerving touch that because yeah during those conversations you're free to like sort of roam around a bit and you can look out the window and it's really it's it's very creepy he's he says something at the beginning doesn't he too about it's it's just you or something it's just one of you yeah or something like that or i might be misremembering Um, i think they're yeah i think they you are led to believe that it's just you i think i mean it's just you in the car when you're driving around um that yeah i think you can talk a lot about that kind of stuff i think i was really i think what ed said about the the forest sequence and feeling safe um i kind of wanted to resist like calling it like nightmarish the game uh (laughs) because it felt but i mean it is uh the first i guess 15 minutes or so of it i i was it's just sort of like sucked into it and very unnerved by the kind of stuff like the kind of stuff that like Astrid's saying you know you have the opening where the view is just this like pea soup looking like abandoned street and there's just a dead body on yeah. the ground but like you can't 100% make out what it is because it's sort of blocky and uh, grainy yeah. and uh, and then it's just a crow just pecking at it <laughs> Which, you know, sounds like if you just shot that in something else. Uh, if it was realistically rendered, it might be kind of, like, not <laughs> not as evocative. Yeah. Uh, but just things like this and, and the music, which is, I mean, if you wanted to, uh, if you listen to it in isolation, I don't think it would be as impressive because it, it does kind of have, like, the badly amante, like, you know. Yeah, it um, has a it's like very referential i think and it also has like a distinct uh artifice to it like it's very clearly synthetic instruments for mm-hmm. most of it and there yeah there's like the they're referencing like uh falling from twin peaks and then the second time that you go to the forest i think there's a track from the cannibal holocaust soundtrack that it's really <laughs> reminiscent of there's sort of this like synthesizer bleeping in just sort of this queasy pattern um that part was yeah i i think that was a fantastic use of that though because is that the sequence that ends with you coming up to the 
sort of the power station yes. or the empty yep. part with the That's graffiti the and yeah. and this monster alien whatever shape like decks you in the face and that actually <laughs> like i don't know maybe because i i was that kind of got me back in and pulled me back into it because it yeah. was i think the violence in this game is it's so good is, it's, is good because it's really it good, hits yeah. and it's yeah it's uh it punctuates things rather than yeah i don't know it's, it's also I mean, the it's, benefit of it being shorter and yeah. more deliberate than most <laughs> video games well the the bit where you approach this sort of like abandoned rusted out power station and you see the figure uh in the distance and if you're trying to like zoom in on it with the camera the right. camera which is an analog camera so it's not like a dslr or anything it's a fully analog film camera it like glitches out and it won't let you look at this thing and i think uh eventually i don't know if it's like the third time you do it or just once you pass a certain point the figure just disappears and there's sort of like a little noise that it makes like a very distinct noise and then it comes up behind you yeah and decks you and then apparently completely strips you of your skin and kills you <laughs> uh yeah yeah and like that kind of stuff ed is talking about the kind of nightmare logic of of these things I, I'm kind of of two minds. No, I'm not. <laughs> I'm thinking. I'm thinking aloud. But it, the stuff with I think the car parts for me are successful because they kind of lull you into the the like a, a sense of not security but of understanding mm-hmm. of kind of the logic of these things. It's you're going down this place and it's just empty roads and the talk radio or you know classical music rendered in this like synthy stuff is is eerie in its own way the the talk radio is i don't know how they do this effect but it's great and it also makes me think of dreams and nightmares of yeah the voices are really because you'll get like nicely detailed the way they did those effects it's it's a lot of like backward talking and and gibberish but then you will also get out of nowhere just hey man did it and then backward yeah it's and like reversed little... and then forward and then sped up it's really weird and it so it feels conversational and like you should almost be able to understand it <laughs> yeah. because you know someone will, wait a second and then it's backward <laughs> and um so stuff like that i think like puts you in the mindset where i like ed was saying like you have some kind of handle on what's happening and i like the car sequences for that when i got the woods at first i felt that way and then the sense of understanding it to the extent that once you realize that it's you're reminded that's a video game when you're thinking did i go the wrong way yeah am i supposed to be taking more pictures of these birds to make some <laughs> invisible meter fill up then it feels too mundane and yeah. normal yeah, because um, that's a feeling the game is really good at avoiding, I think, is... Yeah. There are moments where it reminds you of the artifice of what you're playing, but not in a way that frustrates you, I don't think. It's in a way that, like, sort of speaks to the idea of borders and, like, uh, screens and transference and all that stuff. But, yeah, the bit where you're just like, wait, am I stuck? That's sort of, like, a very mundane video game feeling. Yeah, what's it... worth, I do think there's that red bird that is in that scene, and I think the red bird is telling you where to go. I'm not 100% I kn- sure. 
No, I know, but that was part of my problem too, because yeah. then I felt like I lost sight of it and I <laughs> fucked something up, and like, yeah. and then I went back to the cabin and I was like, man, should I, sh- like, it's more should obvious. I be opening this door? And... Yeah, it's more obvious the second in the second scene because it's more of like a straight line. Yeah, and I mean, I don't have a problem with with something being a little confusing or something. It's it's hard enough to make this sound like a. <laughs> Could have used a map. <laughs> Yeah, I wanted to be able to press M and have like a, like a Doom style like, my character. Um, but I think it, it's that sense of like stillness and, of feeling like you've come to grips with things somewhat, yeah. uh, and then when you get attacked, it feels, truly unnerving, you know. Yeah, um, and is the implication there that because that character, that character didn't watch the assassin tape, did they? I thought it was the assassin, after you kill that guy, she's just putting the tape in over and over. Because I was wondering if the the sort of alien shape creature was sort of like a consequence of watching the tapes or something, but I don't think that's what it is. At least not directly. I don't think so. Yeah. It's kind of vague, which is, I think, for the best. It does... I think if they had pushed that any further, it would feel like a little... A little too X Files, maybe. One of the it started to have, yeah. One of the store clerks talks about. First, he talks about aliens, and yeah. then <clears throat> there's also a- alien empathy is what he's going on about. And also about how the electrical company there was some accident fourteen years right. ago. So I, I, well, they, right. you know, I kind of glanced that in that area where you encounter the whatever it is there's a big sort of transmission tower that's bent over mm-hmm. and looks like you know like a, uh what's the word i'm looking for but you know some something that would be near a, an electrical f- power station yeah so I, I got the impression that maybe and yet you know talking about the sort of narrative and the theme of this game feels really really just like a an impossible battle and besides the point anyway <laughs> uh but I got the impression that whatever it is that kills one of the characters was something to do with also what caused the accident at the electrical company and maybe yeah. some sort of alien. Uh, and the tapes were sort of, I don't know, imbued with some of its like, residue. And yeah. having, you know, they had various effects upon people, but I, I don't know. <laughs> They, the well, tapes like are like some kind of some kind of like conduit. Clearly, there's the uh, the guy towards the end who is in the room, and you sort of see like this flashing light, and then he comes out, and he's been like split in half vertically, sort of, and like part of him is sort of yeah. folded over, and he has a TV on his head, like yeah. Wh- which yeah, uh, the one thing I thought when I finished it, and I finished it last night. And I kind of thought, oh, I, I want to go back and I want to play this again right away, knowing what I knew from <laughs> the cor- over the course of playing it and see how that yeah. uh, sort of adjusted how I thought about things. And then I kind of felt this is something I feel a lot of times with, um, I don't know, I, fe- I felt it before with, you know, stuff like the latest Twin Peaks season. And I, I think it's a very Lynch thing and, you know, all the usual lineup of people. I think Cronenberg gets this done as well. 
like some like burrow stuff as well and like pension yeah um where you read these things and or or watch them and i do know at the end of playing this game that there was enough context that i felt like if i played it through again and kind of thought about it some more i could probably outline this is what's happening here you know uh, maybe it wouldn't have been correct but it would have been like a consistent like this makes sense these things connect together um but i also kind of treasure this feeling in a in a weird way which maybe isn't a good critical instinct to to hold on to the images and the just the I, i think like thematically you can get a lot out of it without having to outline the plot yeah um i think yeah it's like very they they are careful to withhold the stuff that would make it feel too concrete i think or too straightforward too didactic Um, yeah that's sort of one of the effects of the cross-cutting is to keep you away from things that would be maybe like skeleton keys to understanding everything or something Mm -hmm. like as soon as it shows you something it's on to the next scene yeah and and i think I'm, i'm not trying to like dismiss the idea of i know there's a lot of satisfaction in in being presented with something that's like well, yeah. sort of difficult uh, to to just say exactly what it is from start to finish, um, and, and I know for a lot of people, and and I will do this a lot of times too with with some stuff. Um, yeah, but there was something about the mood of this. Yeah, um, I, I didn't feel like I needed to do that to like enjoy it or to put the bits together that I found affecting or whatever. I didn't feel like I needed to map out like the timeline or whatever it is yeah yeah and uh, especially because i you know i wanted to talk about it on a more uh reactive level at first then but yeah this is something i'd like to go back into um i think it's it's like a refreshing kind of game especially i don't know it's i've been playing a lot of stuff i haven't liked very much at all lately and especially stuff that's you know 30 hours of something i'm not very interested in and it was nice to play something and feel we've talked about this a lot on the show over a long time of feeling like you're in the hands of of creators who are capable and have uh, are in control of what they're what they're communicating to you and and you can be like yeah okay tell me a story you know make me (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> which is such a basic thing right but like just being I, like yeah, I, yeah i i trust that you know what you're doing <laughs> yeah and it's interesting i think this game ends ends at a point where it almost feel like it's it feels like it's ended too soon like um the credits come up and you have a moment of like maybe wishing it had gone on longer or something like that which is fairly rare i think for most things i think artists have a tendency to ramble creatively <laughs> and mm-hmm. i think i was impressed by how tightly and coherently designed this game was like it, uh, if you think about it, there are a lot of different bits different sort of one-off <laughs> mechanics and like animations and stuff and they're all there to fill out the story and the characters and the world um, well think about how like oh sorry 
No, I was done. <laughs> I, I was thinking about this again because I guess I've been like in a cynical mood about games. But how like antithetical it is to game like uh, big budget commercial game design to spend the time to make these spaces and then use them for something that you can see in 30 seconds. Yeah. You know, I was thinking that about the, I really like the, the one part near the beginning, which is so short, but, uh, when you're waiting for the elevator and yeah, that space just, is really cool. It's just an elevator coming down. And I think it's, it's like two chairs and a coffee table with a, an ashtray. Yeah. And the only, you know, interaction in this place is you go and you, you can walk around and you can, you know, hit the use button on the cigarette in the ashtray and he just butts it out yeah <laughs> which i think is just like, like a great little thing to put in but you know it's and you don't see that again no and yeah i don't know i i i liked all of that yeah it made me feel excited to play more stuff <laughs> i um yeah go ahead Ed. i was just gonna say i i feel like there's a lot of when it when, just you know, bear with me while we kind of enter the thermosphere of critical pretension here. But I, I, I feel like when it comes, you have the flu as well, right? So well, I think it's past. Well, I, to be honest, th- there are two narratives here. One is, and I prefer this one. I had the flu, but I'm such a big, strong man that my immune system has uh, repealed it in a single day. Uh, that's th- that's the one I like. And then there's another narrative, which is it wasn't actually the flu. I was just a bit ill. <laughs> um, <laughs> You're just a little tucker. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You just needed a rest. Uh, when it comes down to these conversations of, and they, they maybe happen, you know, like biannually, conversations about what would constitute art in games. What makes an art game? Like, how do we? How do we? know whether a game is being artistic one of the things that seems like a, a recurring theme in those discussions is is it is it doing something that only a video game could do which I kind of think is a redundant question but nevertheless it's something that comes up quite often and yeah. I, I suppose one of the things that Paratopic is not necessarily doing that only a video game can do but um, one of the things that I think it celebrates, like a kind of video gaming quality that I think it celebrates, that goes <coughs> sort of uh, almost like dismissed or just uh, or, or not openly acknowledged. I, I think video games almost buy, and this is probably the reason why it goes dismissed and unacknowledged. Video games almost buy their sort of limitations, and video games buy their sort of inability, technologically or otherwise, to kind of adequately recreate for us real life. Video games have, a, have like a, a, a pre-natural ability for the uncanny. Like it, it, it's easy to make something look weird in in a game. Uh, you know that that. It's like when we were talking about Observer. Yeah. 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 You know, there's 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 no. I I always think of well, I don't always think of it, but I often think <coughs> of like Gary's mod, where you can just kind of spawn like car 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 and have like a mountain of cars in in the game in seconds and obviously in in like film production that would be incredibly expensive and in uh paratopic creating like these distorted weird faces or some of the sort of effects i think would be very very expensive in movies because you'd have to do them like on an actor 
but this is made by three people, and I can only assume for yeah. not a great deal of money. And I, I, I basically think that because even in like the biggest budget games, what you're looking at is not a real person and not a real world, uh, even though a lot of them aspire to uh, fool you into thinking that they are both those. I, I just think the games have like a really great capacity for being weirder than they are, for, for leaning much harder into sort of absurdism, nightmare yeah. imagery, phantasmagoric imagery, uh, uh, surrealism, and and the, the, the sort of grotesque. Uh, I think that like imagination and fantasy and kind of bigness and, and real um, flights of 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 uh, creativity in games are often equated with, you know, uh, like a, a Zelda or a Final Fantasy or whatever. Mm. You know, how, how how big can we make it? And how sort of varied can we make it? Whereas I actually think that the, or I don't, not in a sort of dogmatic sense. I'm not saying that this is how everything <laughs> should be, but I I play Paratopic and I think the the kind of imagination that is easier to maybe or, or not easier is again not quite the right word but the kind of imagination that I think I'd like to see explored more in game more in games and the kind of imagination that I think games lend themselves to naturally is quite a twisted one and to quite a sort of feverish and troubled one and that's I think one of the reasons that I like its uh, aesthetic is because it, it sort of grasps hold of this way that video games can make the nightmarish make the, the horrible and make it quite readily um, yeah 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 I think that's a that's a good point I think the um, the pursuit of photorealism can be like really deadening when it comes up like these games feel the need to sort of no matter what they're about they need to look something approaching real they have to look representational you know they can't show the seams and I think that's one of the things about Observer that's really good, um, is that it's creating these spaces that almost look like somebody fucking around in, like, Unreal Engine or something, you know, uh, washing machines stacked up to the ceiling and stuff. They have that sort of, like, modded quality where you just go into this system and you make it look stupid or you make it look absurd. And in the context of that game, I think it really works as, like, redundant dreamlike imagery stuff. And uh, I'm trying to think what else does stuff like I mean, obviously, Kitty Horror shows games. I was games. just about to say, yeah. Yeah, Lily's Own. Mm -hmm. Anyone who mm -hmm. sort of, like, stretches and lays bare, like, the actual what? guts of these digital creations. Lily's and I think Paratopic, yeah. Lily's Own has a game that's called Aneric Garden, which I think is just yeah. a, a nice kind of term for games. <laughs> <You know. laughs> yeah, I mean... Uh, Paratopic, these uh, the characters' faces are like they are detailed, but the way yeah the way they're stretched over these models is really unnatural and unnerving. And if you think about a game like there's that bit in Silent Hill Four where you I think you open your apartment door or something and the, the, one of the yeah the mm. giant face is right there in the door. And they do that in uh, this is a stupid game. Let's be clear, but uh, that art game, the game where you're like the artist who murdered his family or whatever, uh, it's by the Observer people. <laughs> oh, Layers of Fear. Oh. Uh, layers of Fear, yeah, there's a bit like that too where the door opens and there's like a giant face there. And that's sort of like something that'd be really easy to achieve in Engine. Like it's just you just make a giant head. But because you know 
I, there's something about the artifice of that that really unnerves me, uh, I guess. It's like using the engine and the tools in like a way that is not meant to or is not correct, in quotes. One of my favorite examples is Sonic Dreams Collection, which openly acknowledges... Have you both played it? Yeah. yeah. Wh- which yeah. openly acknowledges the sort of history of video games. You know, it's sort of presented as this, we found this old Dreamcast game. And it seems like it comes from, you know, what I was saying about fevered and, and troubled imaginations, it seems like it comes from somebody who's got some, you know, like interesting paraphilias and has spent too much time <laughs> on the internet and, um, like, masturbates too much and masturbates to some, some questionable stuff. Uh, and, yeah, it's it's that. There's, there is. I I I'm. I think it's it it. It's still to be defined. It's still to be, um, sort of properly criticised. But there is a sort of video gameish grotesqueness that's present in Layers of yeah. Fear and Observer and Paratopic, and well, Zone and, and Katie Horror Show and Sonic Dreams Collection. I can't believe uh, the first thing I think about when you're talking about the the sort of like almost mod feeling like grotesque and and the loudness and everything is something like off peak. Mm. You know, ah, where yeah. you. You walk into a room and and these characters look like um, they look like just like like sketchbook doodles yeah. come to life, kind of like you have these giants sitting around, and you know you walk up. I forget it's the one staircase, and it's like an art gallery. Mm-hmm. It's been anyway, and and you just talk about these. It, it reminds me too of I think there's an appeal to that with something like it it's not video games but it feels adjacent to all of it is that cool 3d world uh yeah which have both of you seen this yeah it's a digital artist who goes by brian or like brian 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 yeah uh they're yeah it's like really they're actually quite detailed and like uh on their own these models that this uh, artist makes are like photorealistic but the the animations and like sort of the the scenes that they create with them are really sort of these nightmare hellscapes of like that take advantage of how strange it is i think to have these detailed models that are not real in any way like you'll have yeah uh, this isn't one of them i'm just trying to think of something that's summing (laughs) up like a a perfect or not not perfect but a, a really high quality you know man standing naked with you know giant earlobes or something and then he's like screaming and then it like zooms in inside his mouth and his tonsils are you know two other people like fist fighting or something (laughs) you know it's just stuff like this where it's it's this kind of surrealist embrace of how fucking bizarre it is that you can take these these uh these things and make them do things that you doing it in a movie doing one of those cool 3d world gifts would cost lots of money and take an incredible amount of time if you want to do it with practical effects and yeah there's also um i keep thinking about the original uh you may nikki which has like Mm. a sort of it has like a weapon (laughs) system almost but the weapons don't really do anything yeah they don't do anything or they don't do what you expect them to do and it sort of like perverts notion of like having an inventory in an rpg or something where you expect sort of this like buffet of things to help you out on your journey and you end up getting like these broken or 
like uh, ineffective items that you can use, but what they do is not really anything helpful or anything expected. Yeah, I think um, <laughs> I was just thinking about how we got to this point where it's like, uh, I don't know, I guess it's the bullet points tradition we've wandered far afield. I think this is a, this is a, you know, a conversation that follows from something like paratopic. Well, I think like one of the, what I was trying to think of is I, I think there is just something to the kind of freedom of it and the, the feeling of liveliness and actual creativity and of something being made, um, to communicate, uh, or, or (laughs) put forth something, a mood, uh, imagery that isn't like you're just (laughs) beholden to make it. it. It feels like something that wants to exist by people who want it to exist and, I, I, I wish we saw more of that. And I think the kind of stuff we're talking about, the the kind of uh, strange uh, digital art like that is is where you see a lot of that. Yeah. Yeah, I think the... I would go further in the discussion of Paratopic as, like, sort of a artifact of, like, a certain fringe video game design trend because it is in opposition even to other smaller independent games in the way that is so focused and so uh, I guess it's just a vision that like lasts a certain amount of time and everything that you need to get that vision is right there Um, there are indie games that sort of like have a concept that they bolt to a certain thing you do in the game maybe or like a way of delivering story and they just sort of ride that into oblivion and they sort of distend themselves in this sort of like artificial way of like wanting to give you like something to play basically Mm -hmm. like if you tell someone the plot of a game or the idea behind a game and then imagine that game delivered over like i don't know 15 hours of like fairly unnecessary (laughs) mechanics i mean there are people that think that gone home should have been like a book or whatever like there there's something to be said for not trying to tell a coherent story through traditional video game means and maybe embracing incoherence or I think what did you say Ed the word enjambment enjambment yeah I think that's a yeah that's a good word like the these digital spaces butting into each other at odd angles and stuff mm. I think can be just as evocative as like I don't know 15 hours of <laughs> cinematic storytelling or whatever mm-hmm. one thing I'll say though to you know, I, I I don't. Hopefully, none of this comes across as being, like, <laughs> like uh, prescriptive or something, because no, you can't be prescriptive about a game that's supposed to look like a mess. Like, there's no right way to. No, but I mean, like, glitchy game. In terms of being like, this is like what games should be no, in general, because because I don't believe maybe, that. But not in general. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> more often, it feels like a breath of fresh air because it's different. If it was yeah. all the time. But one thing I, I think I actually really like about Paratopic as well, if you want to put it in the same company as, and, and I think you can, is, uh, I guess you could call it like glitch art. No, I don't know. Whatever. Who cares? Um, is that, it is, it feels like a strange thing to say considering some of this game, but it is also um, directed 
it is uh, yes. something that you can say, how long will this take me to play? And <laughs> yeah. say, it'll, it'll take you within, you know, a 10 minute variance, like yeah. this amount of time. It's not, um, like a, a lot of, a lot of stuff that has these, this kind of, uh, look to it and everything too is, it's more like an art installation. You know, yeah, it's, it's right. something you, you take your time with, you you uh, explore it at your leisure and you take what you want from it and this is very much telling you a story yeah. um, anyway a, and I um, like that Yeah, it's like a anatomy I think Kitty Horror Show is maybe a good touchstone because that's a game that like I think is similarly tight and uh, moves you through a set of things that advance the story and advance your understanding uh, in a similar way like that's not a game that you sort of wander around in forever yeah yeah that's uh that's what i want <laughs> yeah tell me about it you know that's <laughs> yeah <laughs> what a nice thing to have in <laughs> actually there's a, there's you could write a version some... of paratopic where you have a map with all the assassin targets on it and you have and to you like can, drive there's around. optional tapes to collect yeah optional tapes uh optional targets um, different different the, endings depending on yeah, what conversation choices you make about 35 40 hours i think would be ideal just really make sure you hate the game by the time <laughs> you even if you like it make sure you hate it by the time you <laughs> see the credits um yeah i was yeah. gonna say something i completely forgot yeah if you want to be a real piece of shit you could write an article like about how games avant-garde and mainstream are uh, both not directed enough, not uh, not guiding you as much. That are both too in love with the concepts of like freedom. Anyway, I do think that's yeah. That would be a real asshole thing to write, though. <laughs> so I don't know why I'm even mentioning that because I don't even know if I. Believe. I think this podcast yeah. is where I like to workshop my theses. I think that. You should make whatever kind of game you want, but, you know, maybe think about why and what needs to be in there. Just keep in mind... Oh, that sounds like cultural Marxism to me. Finitude. <laughs> Just finitude. Just... Yeah. I think that's one reason I really like Twine games. It's because you know that... Well, what if you randomly generated a Twine game so it, it couldn't end? I guess you could do that, but uh, I did want to mention the, I think I already mentioned Cannibal Holocaust on this podcast. We talk about that one a lot here at Bullet Points, <laughs> but there's, there's like a very distinct reference at the end of the game, sort of a unavoidable reference. And I think the one of the, actually on Twitter, I mentioned that and Doc, the script writer mentioned that it was uh, exactly that an intentional reference to a classic horror film Cannibal Holocaust a, a classic story of re love and redemption <laughs> uh, what's the sequel to that called like Paradiso Infernal or something oh the yeah the Green, Green Inferno. Inferno yeah which then fucking uh, Eli Roth has made the, sh the shock master <laughs> Yeah, the, sh the shock master. <laughs> uh, yeah. If um, anyone ever got the point 
of anything they ever watched, it was Eli Roth. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I, I still have not seen Cannibal Holocaust because I've seen parts of it and I felt like, uh, I think I've even watched it behind the scenes, like a document, a short documentary about the making of it, but I've yeah. never felt a desire to, uh, <laughs> take it in, you know, as a, from start to finish. I've not watched his, um, Death Wish yet. Oh. It looks. Mr. Roth. It looks yeah. so, so nasty. That seems like a like a questionable pairing of director and I, it's the kind of film he just wants to make all the time it's just like yeah. <laughs> it's morally blind back to the 70s kinds of things anyway anyway we're not here to no. talk about Eli Roth no we are yeah. not I think I think if we covered everything that we want to say about Paratopic I, f- I feel um, like I've uh, I've had my bit yeah I think it's a really interesting game that anyone listening to this and feeling the vaguest spark of interest should check out it's like under six dollars i think pc mm-hmm. only pc only so be forewarned um i will say from experience you can get what you need to get from watching someone play it if you can find someone playing it without uh incessantly jabbering over the top no but if you if you have the the means oh yeah totally the, but the, if you have maybe this you isn't know, a mac uh <laughs> sub- <laughs> otherwise support your local yeah, artists absolutely. um yeah i think i don't know I'm, I'm sure uh as soon as we get off this call i'll think about things that i want to talk about regarding this and put them in the show uh, notes that's yeah that's where i or always just, uh, edit a little appendix onto this episode of you just speaking on something <laughs> i i would only do that if i could get some kind of like analytics to see where people stopped listening <laughs> <laughs> to see if it was hang on just me just like rambling on we we, uh-huh. we we went all the way through this episode and we even mentioned oh hang on are we going off on a tangent and none of us made the joke are we going off topic oh crap yeah, that's shameful. <laughs> that's what you get when we start not feeling over. Well. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Just delete all this audio. <laughs> what are we doing next? You know, if you, yeah, it uh, depends, I guess, on when this goes up, right? Because we could be in the thick of a little well, game called Far Cry Five. That is, that is, I think, what we're going to be, um, yeah. hip deep in. Yeah, as always. A model of concision, <laughs> uh, creative integrity. Don't don't save it save it for the show, okay? Listen, I I know everyone else is already intellect. It's not like we're. <laughs> Back it's not home. like we're. It's not like we're breaking embargo here, but you know. Yeah, but I think that's what what we'll be dishing out on this site. We will be, we will be, and uh, we also have. We've been. Uh, Why do they call it Far Cry? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. Just like, uh, just like off topic. Yeah. It's uh, <laughs> just real, real quality. Well, they should have called it Far Crimal. <laughs> <laughs> 
Sorry, Reed. You, that can be a DLC. A Four cry. <laughs> Four cry. Exactly. Four cry. Yeah. Why aren't we all working in PR departments? Huh? <laughs> Imagine that. If that the three most recent Far Cry games were Far Cry, Far Cry More, and Far Cry. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. I should okay. Alright, All right, that's it. Like I was No, I was trying to say though, before I was so rudely interrupted with these fucking prescient insights into <laughs> Um is that we've been we've been chit chatting away behind the scenes and we're we're cooking up some tasty treats for the Patreon. Not not literal, not like we're not making like dog treats or anything for supporters, but um, I don't think it's premature to say that we have some we have some stuff in the works. So if you are a Patreon supporter or are thinking of it, and for some unknown reason you want to hear more from us, then that will be coming uh, hopefully sooner rather than later. Yeah, it's a bit of a hurdle, isn't it? We have to convince people to listen to us more for money. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But uh, I think it'll be. Uh, yeah. It could be worse. I don't know. I don't want to talk too much it. about it's it because it's. Uh, lots of things. Lots of things cooking. You know? I thought it was. Oh, no, there's two. I can think of two. <laughs> there are three in total. Three? Yeah, think about it. There's the one thing that's going to take the longest. Yes, yeah, I know that one. And then there are two things, and there's one thing that Ed and I did part yeah, of last yeah, yeah. year. Yeah, yeah, that's the one. And it was, it was never meant to be associated with bullet well, points. What's the but third now, one? The third one is something that Aster and I have cooking, that involves. Uh, uh, oh, how have do I, I not, say this? Do like, I just not know about it? it away. No, you know about it. You want no part of it because it involves a series of video oh, games. Oh yeah, okay. That that Astrid and I will discuss that I've never oh, played. Yeah. Oh Christ! Yeah. <laughs> okay. I keep forgetting that that's not just like a a, a joke. They're all they're all downloaded. <laughs> or a threat, I'm, yeah. <laughs> I'm ready to go. <laughs> <laughs> right, it's well, gonna be good stuff. I don't think we need to sign off officially because this is a this is a bullet points extra. Yeah. So um. Thank you all for listening. Play Parrot Topic. And we will see you for Far Cry 5. Goodbye.